Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of maker moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new maker mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Maker Mom Podcast. Today's episode is with Char, the Wooden Maven, on Instagram, and you will really want to probably get yourself a coffee, or depending on when you're listening to this, perhaps a nice beverage, alcoholic beverage, and sit down and listen to this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Char. I found everything she had to share about her journey such an inspiration. She is a mom of four. She left her career in the corporate world to build things because quite frankly I think it's in her blood and I think you will enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking with her during the interview. But before I let you get to that a reminder to come on over and join the Maker Mom tribe on Patreon that's www.patreon.com forward slash Maker Mom podcast Come join us. Uh, We had our first online live meetup last week, and we will be working on scheduling the next one uh, at the start of March. You don't want to miss that out, so you definitely want to come check that out. All right, so without further ado, I will let you go pause this real quick, go make yourself a drink, sit down, and enjoy this episode with Char the Wooden Maven. All right, Shar, let's start with a brief introduction about yourself. You know, what kind of things you like to make, a little bit about your kiddos. Sure. Well, my name is Shar. I am known as the Wooden Maven online. I have four kids, uh, 11, 6, and 4. That's three numbers, right? I've got a set of twins that are four. They just turned four on Wednesday. I have one boy, three girls, so that makes her a very interesting and fun life, and I just love having a big family. I started woodworking probably about 15 years ago when I graduated from college. Uh, my first project was a bed because I couldn't afford the bed that I wanted, so I said, well, I'll just build one. This was before YouTube was what it is today. It took me three months to build a platform bed because I had no idea what I was doing, but that bit the bug. And years later, I just started making things for my family, things around the house that we needed. Oh, we need a bookcase. We need an ottoman. Oh, I can build that. I can make that. And um, it was a hobby for a long time. So now I pretty much make people's Pinterest boards come to life. They send me a picture and say, hey, can you build this? And I say, sure, I can try. So it's a lot of trial and error. I just try to have fun with it. So you're like my double hero. You have more than two children and one of and two of them are is a set of multiple. So that makes you like my double hero. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a think, busy life. It is a busy life, but yeah. a fun one. 
because yeah. I, I grew up as the only child. So I was yeah. a little, yeah. a little lonely. Yeah. I was an only child until I was almost 17. And then I have a set of twin sisters. Um, oh, fun. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like my biggest nightmare when we started having children, though, was like, please no multiples um, at all. Uh, I think I will cry if I'm told I'm going to have twins. I'll just cry the entire pregnancy. <laughs> I and, and I did. Yeah. I cried when they told me. Yeah. And they asked me, was I okay? I said, no. <laughs> how did this happen? And they kind of looked at me like, well, you know how it happened. <laughs> like, but there's there's no twins on either side of my family. But can I can I tell you this? And not to not to yeah, jump no, ahead here, no. but I think this is this is this is critical a critical part to the story of the Wooden Maven. Um, like I said, woodworking was a hobby for me. I enjoyed doing it. I wanted to do it more, but as you know, with kids, they are the priority. And kids in wood shop at a certain age don't go together. They whine, they cry. Can I come out? I won't touch anything. I won't break anything. That's the famous last words, right? And they go, oh, I'm sorry. Are you mad? Because I broke that. Oh, no, honey. Don't worry. I can buy another saw. It's okay. So for years, um, I knew that I was supposed to be a woodworker. I knew that I was created to create with my hands. I was made to make. But I was trying to figure out how I could do that and, um, you know, just tell my husband, hey, uh, babe, I want to quit my job so I can uh, build stuff. Like that conversation would not have gone well, right? How, you know, we need two salaries, we have house, mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, two cars. And, um, you know, there was just this yearning. I would go to work, go to this office. I had this huge corner office when I was in corporate America. Uh, floor to ceiling windows overlooking the highway. It was great, right? I had arrived. I had made it. And I, I was just, I was empty. I said, you know, I really wish I was just still, I just want to build. Like, I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't want to be famous or I just want to build stuff. Like, I don't want to sell it. I just want to build it and give it away. But how, like, how can that happen? That just, in a real life scenario, that can't happen. And um, magically, I ended up pregnant with twins. And I'm just crying. I'm like, how? Why? I, four kids? Oh my gosh! You know, can I can I do this? So you know, I had the twins. It was um, an extremely uh, rough pregnancy, to say the least. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of your listeners are also moms. So I think TMI may be okay. Um, but on top of like suddenly surprisingly getting pregnant with twins and having like a really rough pregnancy, um, I almost didn't make it to the hospital to have them. And the, uh, they didn't have enough time to give me an epidural. So I had to deliver the twins with no drugs. So I'm now like, you're okay, I, uh, hero here. <laughs> I, I think I can handle most things in life. So, you know, I went back to work after I had the twins, but still just this emptiness, emptiness. And then, I mean, it's like a ton of bricks that hit me. 
I could leave my job, stay home with the twins, and build stuff. And the second I told my husband, he's like, okay, that works. And that's how it all started. And I said, okay, they were my ticket out of corporate America. I don't have favorites, but they were sort of the gateway <laughs> to the life that I was meant to live. So that's how, that's really how I was able to, you know, have the opportunity to get to where I am today. And I'm, I'm grateful for all of my children. I'll send you pictures. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, that will resonate with a lot of the people who listen you know, to the podcast and just make her moms in general, like you feel that need, like you really want to build. Um, I mean, I, I hadn't made it to a corner office yet, but yes, I was in, you know, corporate America and I still am part-time corporate America just because um, I can't make a full-time living yet out of my business. But um, I think you, you know, at least for me, that really resonates as far as like that inner need and like definitely not feeling uh fulfilled you know it's like I can be really good at the job I do um you know it's not like I'm doing a poor job or anything but it's just not it it doesn't speak to your soul and after a while that weighs heavy I think on anybody exactly you're right yeah all right so I'm gonna make you step back a little bit Tell us a little bit about your childhood. <laughs> you said you were from a big family. Um, so what was that like? I'm, I was actually the only child. Oh, only child. Which Sorry. Is why, yep. Which is why I like having a big family yep. now. So I grew up with, it was, it was my mom and I, um, and I was involved in everything. If I said that I wanted to try it, I did it. Volleyball, cheerleading, basketball, batons, Girl Scouts spelling bees, you name it, I was there. And I was really, uh, really hard on myself as a kid. If I didn't, if I wasn't perfect, you know, then it wasn't right. There was no, there was no gray area with me. It was either black or white, um, which isn't great for like parents who try to help, help you, you balance your children out. Uh, so my mom and I always make a joke because she used to always say there's no gray area. And then we ended up having a son, my husband and I, our son, his name is Grayson. He's my gray son. So he's like my, he's our only boy. He's my middle area. So I finally got my gray area, mom. But it was a good childhood. I had, you know, lots of cousins and friends. We did different things together. And I think um, I was always sort of born and driven to be some sort of entrepreneur. I would always set up little shops in my house selling pencils and paper and call my grandmother, my aunts over, would you guys like to come to my shop today and get a manicure and pedicure? So I always had this drive to kind of do my own thing and chart my own path, my own growth. I think one of the most interesting things uh, that happened to me as a child, uh, the WNBA, I think it was 19, maybe around 1995, their inaugural season. I was at the mall one day, and there were some people there saying, you know, we're looking for reporters, for kid reporters to report for the first season of the WNBA. You have to memorize the script and read it. So I grabbed the script, read it. Um, they called me two days later and told me that I got the job. So I was the first kid beat reporter 
for the WNBA. So I got to go to the locker room of the LA Sparks, meet Lisa Leslie, all the big wigs. You know, there were guys there from the NBA, and then I had to type up a report, go to the radio station early in the morning, and, you know, give my, like, overview of the game that I saw a couple of days ago. It was an amazing experience. So I, I, I think my childhood was, was pretty cool. There was never a, no, you can't do that, or no, you can't try that. And I think that is why, against, like, all the odds on paper, like, I'm able to do something that is still, even though there's a lot of women doing it, I mean, if you compare that to men, the numbers are still substantially low. But because I've always had that, like, belief in freedom that you chart your own course, you don't have to do step one, two, three, four. Like, I'm on step one, then I go to step F, then I go to back to little A, you know. I Yes, I'm a mom, I have four kids, I have a mortgage, a house, a bills, commitments, friends, and guess what? I also like to build things out of wood. I'd rather buy power tools than clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. Was there any, um, like, one kind of creative avenue that you gravitated towards, kind of like, you know, as a kid and as you... Um, started to grow into your teenage years in high school? I don't think so. I was still in that phase of, let me just try this out for a little while and see if I liked it. I was really into basketball as a teenager, so I spent a lot of my time playing sports. Um, but never anything that I, I felt like, oh, I'm definitely sure that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. That didn't become clear until after college when I was like uh yeah I think I like building stuff and I want to do that for the rest of my life so I tried many many different things you know my teenage years and my younger years but nothing ever stuck until now okay. okay yeah I'm still young right <laughs> that's right um <laughs> so what did you go to college for I went to Clark Atlanta University and I got my degree in public relations and mass communication. I really enjoyed events and talking to people and coming up with things on the fly. Like that was my thing. I can give you like the greatest answer. And then if you ask me to repeat it, I probably couldn't. But I really gravitated to the um, event side. And that's pretty much what I did as far as my corporate career surrounding events and facilities until until three years ago okay awesome I think that probably uh can serve you well though you I'm sure you have a an advantage when it comes to some customer service skills um with that as your background yes definitely <laughs> all right so you've been uh woodworking for 15 years um full-time for the last three, right? And right. I know that your your twins were your, your kind of your, I don't want to say gateway drug, but a little bit of your gateway drug into, into yes. full-time. <laughs> um, so though when you made that step from, you know, corporate world to staying at home and building stuff, at that point, was it still like, was there the intention of turning it into a business or was it you know, I'll stay home and, uh, and still have this like hobby. My initial intention was I'll stay home and have this and have this hobby. I, 
I never had a plan as to far as to how far it would go or which direction it would go in. But I will say about halfway into my um, domestic goddess stay at home, um, I had a cousin, a millennial, who, who said, you should um, put some of your pictures on Instagram. I said, okay, what's, this is, this is like two years ago. So this is 20 years ago. Like, what's Instagram? I've heard of it. Well, it's just pictures. I said, well, people just look at pictures? Well, yeah. I said, okay, so what do I need to do? She said, well, you have to hashtag your pictures. What is a hashtag? So if you go back to like my very first entries, my posts, you'll see the hashtags in wrong places and you go, what? So she said, send me your pictures. I'll hashtag them for you. And she sort of got me started uh, using Instagram. I'm still learning how to use it, but through that, in the past year, almost, uh, I would say 80% of my commission project and the opportunities have come as a result of being on Instagram. TV opportunities, podcast opportunities have all become of that. So it was never, it was never my intention to do any of this. I literally just wanted to build what my family needed, death, bed. And um, I think at some point I said, well, you know, it would be nice to have some financial backing in order to buy more tools and more lumber and more resources. So then I, through word of mouth, people would find out, hey, you know, Shar, can you build this for me? Sure, no problem. Do you think you can make this? Sure, no problem. And now it's got to the point where I'm like, I need more time because the projects are, are constantly coming, which is a blessing because I never saw any of this coming. But I'm over the moon grateful that it has all happened. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, Instagram's been kind of an avenue for you to find that. Um, Okay, so you're kind of getting started into this world of um, entrepreneurship with woodworking. <laughs> and it sounds like, so right now it's mainly custom builds, correct? Yes, yes, mostly, mostly custom builds. I would say um, one of the main things that people ask me to make, which I don't know if this even falls under woodworking, but I'm happy to do it, are the growth chart rulers. Mm -hmm. I sell a ton of those. People love those. <laughs> which which is great for me because they're fairly easy to make um but yeah right now it's it's just whatever someone wants i do my best to make it all right uh do you foresee in the future at all um maybe starting your own kind of line of furniture or design that's scary katie <laughs> I, you know I, <laughs> I've never, I've never thought about it. And if I could just, if I can go back to one thing, and I know, I know for some people, this may sound really scary and, and unwise, but I won't say that I plan for something to happen or have an end goal or a goal. And, and I'll tell you why. When you find yourself, um, in a situation that you never thought you would be in and you had another plan for your life. I'm talking about the twins because months before them, we had our plan in place. Okay. 
sell our house in three years, get a larger house. We're happy. We've got our boy. We've got our girl. Life is good. We both got good jobs. Everything is great. And then almost immediately, that plan just went out the window. And that sort of, the only word I could think of is shell shock. It shell shocked me into like coming up with a plan. So I said, if I come up with a plan, it's going to go the opposite way. So what I say my goal is every day is to do something that contributes to my dream. And my dream is becoming a better builder and a maker, whether that's, you know, perusing the internet, looking up new tips, watching videos, new ways to do certain things, learning things from people on social media, going outside, messing up a project and making that a scrap wood project. So I don't have any plans to design my own furniture line, but that's interesting that you say that because I do think that I have um, a strong desire to do something surrounding kids and woodworking. At my local maker space here in Atlanta, it's called Decatur Makers. I teach kids woodworking classes. And that probably to me is one of the most exhilarating experiences as a woodworker. For you to be there the first time a kid turns on the saw and hears that noise and feels that power in their hands and sees that they were able to cut a piece of wood and they were able to put something together. Wood has been around since the beginning of time. People have been building since the beginning of time but it's still a, a special experience for me. And I enjoy that along with my love of making things for my kids, you know, their beds, their desks. So somewhere in my mind, I see maybe those things coming together later, you know, teaching I really enjoy and making things for kids. Um, so who knows where that will lead me, but no concrete plans yet. Hey, who knows? Maybe you'll be the next Melissa and Doug and have your own line of uh, of wooden toys and furniture for kids. <laughs> that would be awesome. I put it out there in the universe for you. You, will see you did. I mean. And you put it out there. So I'm going to say, I'm going to call you one day and say, Katie, guess what? No way, yes. You See? put it out there. No. Just don't forget us little people when you become big and famous. Never. <laughs> I'm still on the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> so as you've been kind of venturing into uh woodworking, you know, as a business, has there been any um hesitation or fear of making that leap into, you know, from creating for your own friends and family to now you're creating for, you know, people who are requesting pieces from you. Oh, every day. The anxiety's through the roof. Because I always think, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this right? What if I mess up? I'm a business. I have to fix it at whatever cost. So with each project, there is a level of nervousness and anxiety because I am a perfectionist because it is my name. There is no fallback. I can't say, well, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it didn't work out. Just deal with it. I say, no, you know, I'll take it back. I'll fix it. Because if, if every job, every project 
that I have is based on word of mouth and not me advertising. The only thing I have to go on is other people's word in my actual work. So yes, there is a lot of pressure there for things to be right, which is why um, I'm okay with turning down some projects. If I feel that my skill set is not there or I can't deliver in a timely manner, people call and they say, um, you know, I need this. And I'm honest with them. I said, well, I can't get to it for another five months because I'd rather take my time and do it and say, oh, yeah, I can get it to you in two weeks. And then it falls apart a day later. And, you know, so, yes, the pressure's there for me to, to be to be good, to be amazing, and to be great, and not just um, not just build something that you can buy at IKEA, because this is my this is my passion, and I want you to feel the love that I put into the piece that you're getting, whatever it is. Know that it was built with love, it was built with heart, it was built with passion. And honestly, I would probably just give it to you for free. I don't like charging people, but you know, it's the way of the world. Wood costs money. Right? Why? Trees should be free. (laughs) If only. If only they were free. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I and I think that's great because I guess I always look at it too, you know, whether it's making something for myself or making something to sell, my end goal is that piece should become a family heirloom. Like my I want that piece to last generations and for there to be memories built around it um, and for it to be passed down. Uh, I don't know if it's because like I had my um, great, great grandfather built um, quite a few pieces of furniture that have been passed down, you know, through my family. And we have a few pieces then that I'll be passing on to my children. And, and so I think that's just so cool. And I've always wanted, that's like my end goal when I'm making something like I want that piece to have that memory, you know, and somebody someday to be wow. able to say, I got that from my great, great, you know, grandparents. You just gave me chills. <laughs> Maybe, I, I think that's a goal that I would like to have is to make something that I am proud of that I can pass down to the generations. I, I'm going to make that my goal, Katie. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, all right. So 15 years ago, making that platform bed. Uh, was that the first time you used tools? That was not. I'm, that was not the first time that I used tools. Um, my uncle, who is a carpenter, he's done it for probably thirty or forty years. I would go to his house and I would work with him in his shop, and he would help me with my school projects. And that was probably about ten or eleven when uh when i used to you know spend time with him making different things and then i was always trying to tinker and fix things around the house i've always been a maker i started sewing when i was six um i did that for a while helping people you know fix things around the house or move i think I, I, the makerness is that a word has always been in my blood my father used to make furniture out of mirror and that was his business so i would go to his shop he wouldn't really let me touch anything but it was always around you know i was always in that space 
to see people who were making things with their hands and helping out where I could. So I think it's uh, it's safe to say I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. That's awesome. That really is. So I have to ask, what was your favorite toy as a kid? I think My I need to start doing. Toy. Yeah, I think I need to start doing a poll of maker moms, like what your favorite toy was. <laughs> hmm, that's a really good question. I know I had a lot of dolls as a child. Uh, there was a doll about thirty or forty years ago. I think her name was Chatty Kathy. It was oh, a doll yep. that talked. Yep. And unfortunately, I got that nickname for my family, I guess, because I used to talk a lot. So I really, I really enjoy playing with dolls, which is funny, you know, that I didn't play with trucks or anything like that. But it was probably dolls, dolls okay. that talk, because I, I needed someone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I totally understand that, because like, I mean, I was an only child till I was almost 17 years old. So, yes. Inanimate objects or pets. <laughs> like that was. Yes. I had my I had my cat. That was my like sister basically, and you know, so I totally get the you, wanting you get me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Though I I can't stick with you on the dolls. The dolls was not my thing. I was Legos, and uh, no matter how hard my mom tried to get me to like dolls or Barbies. They usually came out of the box, and then the box was used to make something. That was usually like, <laughs> that. That's that's what most kids are into. Just yeah. the box. Just the box. Yeah. Yeah. Imagination at play. That's for right. free. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like I mean, it sounds like you've had um, exposure to and experience with tools and kind of that making for a while. So let's talk about your at-home shop um when you got kind of started building at home what were some of your favorite tools uh, that you got started with and then what were some tools that maybe have taken some courage to build up to using my first tool was a craftsman circular saw and now i owned a saw and a drill for many years that was all i had and those were my go-to so there was a lot of crooked cuts and weird angles but you know sometimes we just jam it in there until it fits and we put a lot of glue and fill that in with some sawdust and you know go on about our way so those have always been like my go-to past five years or so I purchased a miter saw, sliding miter saw, and that saw gets so much love. Like that is my go-to tool now. I use that pretty much for everything. I took a leap and I purchased a bandsaw three years ago, and I'm still learning its its nuances and changing the blades and getting it set correctly. But I think the one that I'm going to have to really dive into and just do it is the plunge router that I got about a month ago. I do have a router on the router table, and this is how old it is. It's a Ryobi, and the colors are blue and red. So as you know, Ryobi's colors are like neon green now. They don't even make those old ones anymore. So this one that I have on the router table, it's so just awkward to change the bit that I never take it off the table. 
I said, okay, if I want to do some things overhead, I'm going to have to get another router. So I did get a Bosch router. And I do have a project that I need to complete within the next week that would require the use of the router. So I am a little nervous about, about doing this, but I know that feeling that you get once you accomplish something that you didn't think you could do, it's such an amazing feeling. I want to get there, but I want to get there today. So that's the, that's the one right now that's making, me, that's making me a little nervous to get into is the plunge router. But I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure that it'll be okay, and I can do it. I've gotten I've gotten this far. I've only um, I've only injured myself once. Where's a real piece of wood? Injured myself once. Uh, knock on wood on the bandsaw from cutting, uh, working too late at night, and I was tired, and I didn't realize that I had cut my finger. Until I looked over and I saw all the blood running out of my fingers. Wow. So I did, I did give myself a 10 o'clock cutoff time for working with power tools. No matter how much you love it, no matter how good you think you are, how familiar or comfortable you are with tools, they still are very dangerous and um, you have to know when to say no. And it's hard when, you, when you're doing something that you love uh, so much. It's hard to say, oh, no, I'm done. No, one more cut. I can just, if I do this tonight, I can glue it up tonight and sand it and stain it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No problem. But um, I think that taught me my lesson. Luckily, my finger was okay. The nail, it cut most of my nail and just grazed the very top of my finger and it grew back. So there you go. <laughs> no, I think I've that's got a story a good, for everything. But I think that's a good rule of thumb. No pun intended there. Um, but I think, you know, because I've I've noticed that too. Anytime I haven't got seriously hurt, but if I'm like working up against a deadline and pushing myself in the shop, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, like Nothing good ever comes of that. That's usually when like the biggest mistake happens and then I have double the work because I I pushed myself too far. So yeah, I think that's probably exactly. good with them. Especially as moms, right? I mean, you're in the thick of it. Two four year olds um right now, like mine are five and five and a half and three and I still don't get like a solid night's sleep. So <laughs> I think I think as moms, we probably maybe even should make our cutoff a little earlier than some other people. You're right. Definitely right about that. (laughs) And I don't blame you for the router. I don't know if you've listened to other episodes, but I have a router and brand new router table that I've had for, I think, like three years now. And I have not used them at all. (laughs) They're sitting in the corner of my shop because I'm too scared to use the router. So... (laughs) I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm not alone. And I've, I've been tempted about the little, like, the, the smaller hand, um, like, trim routers. Like, I've been tempted mm-hmm. about buying one because I think, you know, that could up my game with some of the stuff that I do. But I'm still just too, like, nervous to use them. I don't know what it is about the router. I think it's all the scary stories I've heard about people, like, you know, losing fingers and stuff like that with the routers. <laughs> I stay away from I'm never on a router? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, I've never heard that with a plunge router. 
or like the handheld my the like I worked with somebody when I was in corporate America and he came into work after a weekend missing his index finger and part of his middle finger uh because he was um like doing molding you know on a on a router table he was creating the molding and it just like it caught on a knot and pulled the wood and then pulled his hand like straight into it so yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh. So ever since then, I'm like, um, yeah, I'm good. I can, I can understand that. (laughs) Especially if you know the intent is to make your livelihood with your hands. They're like very important. Right. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So how do you manage? I mean, you're a mom of four, you're a maker, you're now, you know, an entrepreneur as well. How do you, manage all of that at the same time and tv spots i mean you've got a busy life going on well fortunately your listeners cannot see the dark circles under my eyes or the bag um i feel like the most important thing that i could do right now with my life is be an example for my children that no matter what no matter what you're up against you have to go for your goal. You have to live for your passion. What are you living for? What are you doing? Do it with purpose and do a great job at it. I have an amazingly supportive family. My mom, my in-laws, our extended family, my friends, they step in a lot, you know, when we need them for pickups, for carpool, for drop-offs, for meetings, for interviews, for time for me to work in the shop. So. I'm extremely grateful to have them uh, be in my life. And I would say I'm kind of an intense scheduler. I have calendars. We have a family calendar. I have my calendar, written calendar, online calendar that I have to keep track of when my projects are due, what days I'm going to go shop for supplies, what supplies do I need to order, who has a doctor's appointment. So all of these different pieces all have to fit together. And I, I write everything in pencil because it's constantly changing. I'm erasing. Okay, you pick up this kid. I'll drop this one off. And my husband and I share a car. So trying just to coordinate work schedules and just with one vehicle, which, is, um, which works out fine because I've sort of um, the garage. Well, he still calls it the garage. The shop can only now fit one car anyway because I just keep getting more and more things and the space keeps getting smaller. But I would say scheduling and plan. I'm not a long-term planner, but when my kids are involved and I have projects to do for other people, I do have to plan that out. So I plan one to two months out what my, you know, what my day-to-day is going to look like. And then it changes every morning before I wake up my kids. I get out my list and I write down, I did this one today and I have you on there, podcast, um, what I have to do that day because it changes, you know, the school may call, one kid's sick, I have to pick them up, okay, let me move this here, move this there, oh, what about dinner, I forgot about dinner, why does this keep coming up? So, I mean, any resource out there that will help me, I use Instacart for grocery delivery. I use DoorDash to deliver dinner. Just making sure that I 
plan and schedule and communicate that to my family helps me to be able to to do what I love. Because right now, it's, besides my family, that is the most important thing to me. If I can't build, if I can't make, I'm just not the same person. I needed to breathe. I have to build. I have yep. to smell sawdust. <laughs> you know the feeling. I do. I get cranky. I've been kind of cranky the last two weeks with kids home and not being able to get to the show. I know. <laughs> I know. Sort of like an addict. You're like, oh my gosh, I just want to. I just want to build. I'll be right back, guys. My kids are they see me bundled up. Where are you going? Uh-huh. Um, going outside for a minute. How long are you going to be out there? I don't know. <laughs> Until I calm down. That's right. I'm going, I'm going to make something. I'll be back. That's right. Yeah, I have, um, my shop is not located at home. Um, so I have, um, you know, a shop that I have to drive to. And that's like 15, 20 minutes to drive there. But it is definitely like my sanctuary. So it's kind of a beneficial thing that I have to drive there because then I can be like, well, I'm not going to drive there just to be there for 20 minutes. I need to be there for like two hours or three hours and make sure I'm really like getting stuff done, you know, before I come back home. But yeah, my kids are getting to the point where it's like, okay, you're going to the shop. Can we come with? And, you know, there's been a couple of times like I let them come with, but I can't run any saws or any equipment when they're there. So right. it has to be like, Oh, I just need to do some finishing or, you know, something minor that like I can give them a box of scraps and let them entertain themselves <laughs> while I do, you know, yes. simple. Yeah. That sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all right. So you've kind of touched on this a bit, but maybe, um, you can elaborate a little bit more. What's your favorite part about being a maker, about being a woodworker? My favorite part about being a maker and a woodworker is having the ability to create. You can take something very basic, a straight board, and cut it and glue it and chop it and carve it and screw it into something beautiful and amazing and useful. And seeing that turn into something else is probably one of the best feelings in the world. It's not so much of look what I did or look what I made, just like, wow. You know? And you don't have to brag about it, post about it. You just sit back in your shop and say, today was a good day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Those, I think, those are the best days. That's right. And I think maybe uh, a little bit, maybe what you're getting at is too, like when you do work, especially with woodworking, like you can see the progress you made, right? Like, I mean, yes. you pick up your living room full of toys and 20 seconds later, it's full of toys again. So it doesn't feel like you accomplished anything when it comes to that kind of stuff I feel like when kids are involved no <laughs> no I wonder about myself and I I beat myself up every day I just want a clean house and I go is it me like am I not a clean person and I, and I no no star don't be so don't be so hard on yourself but yeah you're definitely right seeing the progress is a beautiful thing mm-hmm. I, I I love that. I literally probably dream about like all the things that I want to make probably 
probably every day. It's usually my first thought of, oh, I can build this or I can make this. I think my, my, my challenge is creating things that don't already exist. You know, yeah, yeah, you mean coming up with new like, ways, yeah, coming up with new ways or new. Um, I, I get that, like, that's usually how my projects end up. Like, I'll think of some, I don't know, some crazy design, crazy design idea in my head, and it could be months before I get there just because I have to, like, in my head, work out every detail, like, well, how would I connect that piece to that piece, or how would I make that cut, or if I really want to do, you know, this, this, and this. Like, how do I do that? And so it usually ends up being less crazy by the time I actually make the thing because I try to boil it down to, okay, what's my skill set? Like, yes, that would be really cool to make that, but I'm not there yet. So what can I do? And, you know, it gets narrowed down a bit. But, yeah, I think think that's great to always, like, challenge yourself. I think, like, personally, I think that's why I enjoy bringing in other mediums into woodworking, just because then that gives me that challenge of, like, coming up with something brand new, you know, by mixing in a different medium with it. Like, resin, and I know resin's, like, really hot right now, and everybody's doing it. I know. (laughs) I saw your table. I saw your table, and I said, oh, I... If I make a river table, I'll be the last person in the world that hasn't made one yet, but I still want to do one. I saw yours. I was like, she makes it look so easy. I'm totally, I'm, well, I'm especially when it. it's, especially when it's sped up to like a hundred times the speed of like what it's right. <laughs> Don't worry. That table that I posted just recently, it took me nine months to complete. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a long project and my first, though there's more to come for sure. But yeah, um, I, you know, that's my main thing right now is just trying to think of cool. And I, and I think because of the kids, you know, watching different shows and like, like Disney and the idea that everything's magical. Um, like I really want to bring out that emotion out of people when they see one of my pieces, like, that's magic. Like how, how is that even possible? And so it's always a challenge of thinking of how to make something look a simple and be, you know, like, like magic's involved with it. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's what I tell the power of social media, the internet and TV. <laughs> it can, uh, it can change. It can change your mind. When I did the um, PBA Atlanta special, and people were sending me messages, they said, "Oh my gosh, your shop looks so big. Where, where, how, where?" You know, and I'm like, "Wait a minute." I said, first of all, that's not my shop. That is the makerspace where I go to use some of their tools." But the way that it, the way that you look at it, it looks like that. I mean, that is where I spend a lot of my time. And yes, I pay membership. So yeah, we could say it's my shop, but I also have a garage where most of my tools are, which is not nearly as big as that. But it's interesting how you can, um, I mean, you control the narrative by what you put out and what you display. And you can be as cool as you want to be or not. And 
you know, I don't think I'm that cool. I'm like, you know, I wish that I could uh, set up all my shots and make them perfect in the light. And I'm like, no, I am like hashtag real life, hashtag mom life, like 24 seven, you know, like what you see is what you get. Maybe one day I'll be cool enough to like go, oh, wow, Char is so cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm just a mom in the shop, <laughs> doing some stuff, you know? But I think that's what I know. I know that's, you know, something I appreciate about your account. And I think other people appreciate too about your, you know, like on Instagram and stuff is that you're, you are very real. You're very much like, look, this is, this is life and all it's mess because life is, I won't swear on the podcast, but life is freaking messy. right? So there's no, um, I mean, that's just the reality of life, especially life with kids. It's crazy. It's nonstop motion. And you might love every bit of it, but it's not like Pinterest worthy pictures and, you know, um, home beautiful magazine type of pictures and stuff like that. It's just no, we should start our own Pinterest board, like real life Pinterest. Oh, you know, you have like this beautiful (laughs) shot and then you zoom out and there's like a huge mess around it. (laughs) I know that's the case with like, you know, when I'm taking like video of my projects in the shop and stuff, half the time I'm spent just like moving the mess from behind where I'm going to be working to like another corner. And then I go to take another yes. angle and then I'm like, crap, now I can move this <laughs> off to another corner. <laughs> yeah. I get that. <laughs> I totally get it. So, okay. So what's your favorite part about being a mom, you know, as, as far as I think life threw you a curveball with the last two, but now you've got a family of four. What's your, what's your favorite part about being that mom? There's never a quiet or dull moment in my life, which I appreciate and I respect. And you just don't know how much you can love until you have to equally spread your love to other people. So I think one of the most important things as a mother, which I tell my kids all the time, is make sure you let me know how you're doing because I want all four of you to feel equally loved. I don't have a favorite. Each kid has their own strengths, their own weaknesses, and I love them for all of them. And I want to encourage them and inspire them to be their best selves, whatever that is for them at the moment. You know, we don't compare our kids. We do our best to treat them all equally, even though one may be extremely naughty one day and being in a lot of trouble that day and there may be timeouts and other other punishments that come along with it but I really like being an inspiration to them you know they get to see the best and the worst of me if I've had a rough day in the shop I mean the cuts weren't working the angles weren't lining up the stain was the wrong color like I come in and I am not happy Like, I'm upset. You would think that something really bad happened. And in my world, it did. And, you know, they ask me, what's wrong? You know, things didn't go well today. They they didn't go great for me. And I don't hide that. It's okay to have these emotions. But, you know, a few minutes later, I'll talk to them and I'll say, 
things didn't go well for me, but I'm going to try again tomorrow and just be that living example because small things in their world may not go good. A kid may not share a toy at at school. To them, that's the worst. But if they know how to handle it, they can be better kids. Oh, well, you know what? That's okay. I'll go play with something else. But I try and be that real life example. Things didn't go great for me today, but you know what, guys? Tomorrow's another day, and I'm going to go back out there and try again. So I really, I, I really like inspiring my children and just to know that you are responsible for either putting some greatness out into the world by raising beautiful little humans or putting somebody out into the world that is not contributing to society at all. And uh, I don't want to go the route of the latter. I want them to say, you know what? my mom was a wolf worker and they'll, they'll tell their friends like they tell their friends my mom's on tv you know my mom was a woodworker and they're proud of that you know they never said that when i was working my mom went to work today <laughs> she works in an office whoop do do i mean not that there's anything wrong with that but the fact that they're noticing and they're proud of who their mother is i think makes me makes me happy and they're they're a joy and we laugh we laugh a lot. I'm the cool parent. I'm the, you know, all right, it'll be okay, guys. No big deal. You know, sometimes it's that fine line whether you should laugh at your kids or discipline them when they do something. I go, you shouldn't do that. And I have to go in the room and laugh because I can't believe you just did that. That's not okay. Please don't do that in public, okay? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And and I love that lesson of like persistence um, too. You know, I, I recently, in, and I posted about it a little while ago where I made like a resin and wood light and everything about that project went wrong. Everything, you know, where it was like in my shop, I wanted to throw the thing across the room um, because I was that frustrated with it. Um, but it ended up, you know, turning into like an awesome lesson because the day I came home and was super frustrated with how things were going in the shop with that, you know, my son was like drawing and he, he was having a difficult time making what he wanted to make while drawing. And he just got so frustrated and so upset, you know, and it gave me the chance to like kind of step back, take a breath of my own about my own project and like tell him about that project and be like, this is what happened to me today in the shop and be like, but you know what? Things can be beautiful when they're mistakes and, you know, we'll go back and try it again later. And, you know, and that's why I left the mistakes in that piece and I brought it home and it sits on our counter and it serves as like, I tell him that's our, him and my's reminder of like, cause we're both very much perfectionists, especially when it comes to like art. So it serves as that visual reminder of like, you know, we can, you know, just take a deep breath and take a step back and, you know, have a, have a stab at it again tomorrow. And if it's still not perfect, that's okay. Because right. I think you will agree woodworking, no matter how hard you try is never perfect ever. Nope, <laughs> There's, never. You can't, you can't control, you know, an organic substance like wood, no matter how hard you try. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Though I do like your point of like beating it into place and filling it with glue and sawdust. That 
That is sometimes what has to happen. Yep. Plan B. That's always right. works. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no one will know. That's right. <laughs> Just you. Just you, right? Right. Um, so have there been any hurdles or challenges you feel you've had to kind of face or come up against being a woman and still kind of a predominantly, you know, male dominated field or hobby? Absolutely. Um, there was one, there was one incident that still bothers me a little bit to this day. I was teaching a class and I made a prototype of a birdhouse and I printed the instructions out and there were some other seasoned woodworkers who were going to be helping with this particular class and this an older gentleman who was probably probably twice my age, almost twice my age, and he takes the, the birdhouse and he says, uh, he says, what is this? And I said, well, it's the prototype, you know, so we can show the kids as to what they're going to be making well, this uh, this side is too short and this side is too long. He takes my birdhouse, goes into the wood shop, and builds a completely new house. And mind you, we're teaching six and seven year olds. Doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, even you know what I mean, perfectionist. But I mean, let's not overdo it here. And I was more shocked than I was hurt that he did that but immediately you know the thought came into my mind said okay Shar, if this is the path that you truly want to take in life you're going to have to deal with this more you walk into a room of uh 50 60 year old men white men i'm a young black woman and i say to them this is what we're making they're going to look at me and go what do you know I mean, it's sad, but it's true. And I'm okay with that. I'm not going to stop building. I'm not going anywhere. You may have been doing it longer. That doesn't necessarily make you better. But that did bother me a little bit um, that he did that. But I went on and, you know, I taught the class and we made the houses and they were, you know, the kids were fine. They didn't, they were just there to have fun. Um, a lot of the classes that I'm in, because I still do a lot of continuing education to learn new and different things. Yeah, I, I am usually the only woman there. And because I look younger than what I am, a lot of them will treat me, you know, like their daughter. So, oh, you know, come here, let me show you this, or like a sister kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I got it. I can handle it. But it's just still that you know, men have that sort of nature. They want to fix things for women. They want to do things for women. We're sometimes, we're sometimes still seen as helpless, that we can't do it um, on our own. And that, that's okay. So I just, I will let my work continue to speak for itself rather than walk into, an, walk into a room and announce myself because it's not about me. It's about these hands and the skill that they, they can do and the things that they can create. So I'm totally okay with it, but I definitely see moving forward in the future, the pushback, which I think happens in any industry. 
You know, when I was in corporate America before I had the twins, um, they told me, they said, oh, you, pro you probably won't come back because we don't see how you can do this job with four kids. And I said, that's not fair for you to make that decision for me. I love working. I enjoy having a job. But other people will look at you and they will make an assumption within seconds based on the little information that they have. So um, I don't want to say I'm used to it or that it's okay because it's not okay. But as long as you keep pushing forward with what you want to do, I think ultimately you'll be in the you you will be okay and you will earn the respect that you deserve. I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, I do want to say I'm sorry somebody did that to you. I think that was really not very nice of them to do that. Um, I mean, to me, it takes mansplaining to a whole new level, but. Um, I feel uh, sometimes, like like you said, your work will gain your gain respect. Um, I'm hopeful, though, for a future where that's not the case, where women can walk into any kind of trade. I would say any kind of trade, <clears throat> and um, not be second guessed based on their gender for the skills that they have. Um, because sadly it's not the same yet, right? For men, like they don't have to walk into a shop and prove that they know what they're doing. It's automatically expected that they know what they're doing. And I know many maker moms who have been on the podcast have said, you know, their husbands have no idea what they're doing with tools. Like, so it's not, <laughs> it's not like, you know, if you're, if you're born with a Y chromosome, you all already know how to use a tool. It has nothing to do with that. So um, it has everything to do with interest and, um, you know, your ability just based on how much you've learned so far. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you already kind of mentioned what you hope for your kids to kind of learn from watching you. Um, is there any, especially with the woodworking, but is there anything, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a mom who's creating her own business, what do you hope that your kids kind of learn from that? I hope that my kids learn discipline, respect, kindness, and passion and persistence from watching me do what I do, not just in the shop, but the way that I speak to people, the way that I engage with people, the way that I treat people, the way that I allow people to treat me. I realize that they're watching everything that I'm doing and some of the things that I'm not doing would sometimes speak louder, the things that you don't do, um, you know, getting angry quickly when something doesn't go right, learning how to work out your problems and being patient with yourself because as someone who wants something to go right all the time and all my projects to come out flawlessly, um, I see that manifesting in the way that my children are when things don't go right for them. And of course, their children, you expect things like that to happen, but I always tell them, uh, don't let your emotions control you. That you need to, like you said, like you told 
your son. Take a step back, take a deep breath, let's figure this out. It's going to be okay. It's the end of their world, you know. You know, it's okay if you color it outside the line. The picture isn't right. It's okay. Look, we can print another one and start over, and it'll be okay. And what do they say? Okay, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Mommy colors outside the lines a lot, you know. So I hope that I can be all those things uh, for them just by living and talking and walking what I actually believe in and not just preaching it and forcing it down their throats, actually being the person that I say that I am. I think that's um, an awesome mom goal and life goal. Uh, but I'm going to ask you a question. What do you do when you don't meet those goals? Because everybody has those bad days, I think. Um, I have a room behind <laughs> me, also known as my closet. And I have a diffuser. And I sit in there and I think about you know, what happened, but, but really, I think as, you know, as we get older, we learn better ways to, to deal with our problems. And I think understanding, learning to understand your emotions is key to getting over those rough days and getting through those rough days. You know, why, why did this upset me? Well, because it didn't work. Well, why didn't it work? Were you repeating the same process over and over again? Were you, were you trying to make that same cut at that same angle that you knew didn't work because you didn't know which angle you were supposed to cut it at? And instead of moving it over a little bit, you know, you kept repeating the same mistake. Okay, so what is the plan? What's the plan for tomorrow? What are you going to do differently? But I do try to make sure that I stay in touch with my emotions and not just let them... Um, let them carry me away. Understand why I'm feeling that way. And um, yeah, you just, you can't, you can't trust emotions. They're tricky <laughs> little things. They will take yeah. you places that you don't want to go. And you don't always have to go there with them. You can say, you know what? I'm not going to allow anybody else's perception or words or thoughts control the way that I feel right now because I'm responsible uh, for my mental health, I'm responsible for my happiness. And as you know, as a mom, if mom is not happy, nobody is happy. This is true. <laughs> so I know that I cannot spread the negative energy throughout my home and with my family because then everybody's kind of cranky and snapping at each other. And then, you know, in the back of your mind, you think, oh, wow, I actually have that much power to influence that many people under the age of 12. <laughs> Good for me. But you, but you, you just don't want to, like you said, putting things out into the universe. You don't want to push that out. So you keep it inside, put it in the right compartment and deal with it appropriately instead of letting it just be all over the place and haphazard and you really don't know what's going on with your life. So do I think you that's feel, what keeps me. Keeps you. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Sorry. No. Do you feel, do you feel like making woodworking maybe helps you keep that grounded perspective? Oh my gosh. Yes. I have zero other outlets. I don't work out. Uh, I do have friends. I try to do a social, social, something social at least once a week, lunch, brunch, whatever with my friends. But 
right now that is my only that's my only outlet I don't like to shop um I'm not really a mani petty person or go to the salon kind of person so that is my outlet because it gives me a a chance to take a break from the regular routine of the day it gives me a chance to do something that I enjoy which is being creative coming up with new ways to do things and you know with woodworking it's not all about following a plan because most of what we do is our own plan and you don't know what you're doing until you're already in it you know or I thought I was going to use a number six screw but that screw completely fell through the project so I need a number eight and maybe I need to use a um, a pocket screw instead of just a standard wood screw because it's not so you know so you're constantly woodworking is about strategy um, more than it's about constructing something which I enjoy that aspect of it quite a bit but yeah it definitely keeps me grounded and gives me an outlet and helps me to helps me to remain calm amidst all the many moving parts that I have going on in my life right now. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, that resonates with me big time for sure. <laughs> it's very helpful to keep emotions in check. Um, so what kind of advice or words of encouragement would you give to other moms who want to tackle a new skill such as making or DIY, but maybe hesitant to get started? Hi moms, this is Char, your fellow maker. This is a public service announcement that I want to share with you. If there is something that you are thinking about, if there is something that you are passionate about, each and every day you have to do something towards that goal whether that's reading, talking to someone who's already doing it. If you can't find the time to do it every day, you must not really want to do it. If that's five minutes, if I can do it with four kids, four, okay? The two of them are wild twins, wild. They're the reason why the chime is on the door because they like to sneak out the house. If I can do it, I know that you can do it. All you have to do is take that first step. It's going to be it's going to be nerve-wracking, it's going to be scary. You're going to wonder if someone is judging you, your work doesn't stack up against everybody else's on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But you have to chart your own path. You have to tell your own story. There's nobody else like you doing what you do. So at whatever cost, safely, you have to go after that DIY dream, that woodworker dream, that maker dream. You just have to create it because everybody had to start somewhere. No one you see woke up and had a million followers the next day. It just didn't happen. They started off with five. They started off with 20 and 500 and 1,000. And so many times on TV, we see someone's success story in a 30 minute or a one hour long show. And it talks about rags to riches. And then in our minds, we think, oh my gosh, 
it's almost like overnight success. But very rarely do you hear the backstory, the real backstory, because that backstory was 20 years in the making. There's no such thing as an overnight success. So you start today. And the one thing that I tell pretty much everybody that I encounter, it's called my year from today goal. If there's somewhere else you want to be in your life, with your life, in your career, make a promise to yourself that one year from today, you won't be in the same position. It could be something small. It doesn't have to be maker, DIY, woodworker. It can be, you know what, for whatever reason, I don't like to make up my bed. But I really want to because making up your bed helps you get your day started. You can say, one year from today, I can say, you know what, I get up every morning to make up my bed. It could be something that small. If it's your job to say, I cannot, I can't stand my job. It, I'm miserable there. Okay, one year from today, you shouldn't be complaining about that same job because you have the power to make that change. So that is the advice that I would give to anybody who was thinking about getting started, doing anything new. Go for it. One year from today, don't tell me that you're getting started. Tell me that you're actually doing it. I love that. Thank you, Shard. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, yeah. So the big important thing, how can people find out more about you? Where can people go to find you on all of the internet places? You can find me hanging out most of the time on Instagram. I'm Wooden Maven on Instagram. I am the Wooden Maven on Facebook. I also have a blog. It is thewoodenmaven.com. And if you're in Atlanta, look me up. And I love meeting other makers and getting together and sharing stories and inspiring one another. And of course, you can also find me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, and I'll make sure that in the show notes uh, for your episode that all of that information is there so everybody can find you. And since you said you're in Atlanta, and uh, I'm, I know your episode will probably air before WorkbenchCon, but can everybody look for you and meet you there? Yes, definitely. Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you how excited I am? <laughs> To go to WorkbenchCon because I'm telling you a year ago before I got on Instagram, I thought there were no other female woodworkers. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm the only one in the world. How did this happen? So to be able to meet, because you're going too, right, Katie? Yep, yep, I'll be there too. To be able to meet you and everybody else that I've been talking to on social media will be like the highlight of my year. And the good news is, is I literally live walking distance. Oh, wow. Nice. So hopefully the weather will be nice enough and I can, I can just walk over there and walk home and ask my husband if we can have an after party here. (laughs) 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 Woodworkers of IG after party (laughs) at Char's house. So yes. So if you're listening to this podcast, Look for me, Char Miller King, also known as the Wooden Maven at WorkbenchCon later this month. That I'll is be there. awesome. Last year for the Workbench Con, it was like in the 80s. So I'm hoping that that weather returns <laughs> for the conference because that would be awesome. <laughs> it would especially be awesome for us who are stuck in the Midwest in like zero degree weather. So it would be nice. I to bet. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. And and possible after party at Shars. Yes. <laughs> possible after party. Got to got to clear that with the uh, with the husband. Yeah. And that's, the kids. <laughs> that's understandable for sure. Um, I, I will say that, that um, I think the excitement of getting to meet everybody in person, right, that you've been interacting with online, at least last year, led to a lot of late nights, led to, you know, like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., still being up and just, you know, talking and talking shop and stuff, and it was a great time. So it felt a little bit like back in my college days. Um, I think I might need to get extra sleep in advance to uh, be prepped this year for all of that. Well, thanks for the heads up because <laughs> when I brought my when I brought my ticket, I told my husband, I said, "Just so you know, I may or may not be home for about three days." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very fair statement to make. <laughs> and he know, he knows he knows how I am, so I don't I don't think that he'll expect to see much of me. I've already put everybody on alert. We've got carpool taken care of with the kids. So I am I am free and clear. I am officially off duty those three days. And I am so looking forward. I mean, I couldn't imagine like a better scenario. A convention in my city, near my home, and I get to be with the people that do things that I love the most in the world. I mean, come on. It doesn't uh, no. get any better than that. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. So, it yeah, doesn't. I'm excited. And I look forward to meeting you. Yeah. In person. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, thank you again, Shara, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So again, that was Char with the Wooden Maven, and I will include all of the ways you can follow her journey online in the show notes. And again, one more quick reminder, go check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Maker Mom podcast to learn how you can join the Maker Mom podcast tribe. And also, I know at the end of last week's episode, I said this week you would hear a new jingle. Well, I'm just going to be honest. I did not get that done, but it will get done for next week's episode. So just forewarning, you'll hear new music. Don't worry, you have the right podcast. And until next week, I will see you later.